0: Welcome to Andy Sends It, a FullSendHQ.com podcast where we talk about badassery in the world and action sports and use our friend, me, Andy, (laughs) as a barometer for crazy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Andy Sends It. And I'm Andy. And I'm here with Jen and Doug, the founders of FullSendHQ.com. What up?
1: What up? I'm Doug. I'm Jen.
0: And I'm Andy. Perfect. Nailed it. All right, so I guess we're going to start and we're going to begin because it's such a big topic and it's kind of shutting everything down in every aspect of life, not just the world of action sports. Coronavirus. <sighs> yes, <Yeah>. Corona. <laughs>
1: super fun
0: stuff, guys. We aren't sponsored. <clears throat> uh,
2: for, the, uh, or are we? for the audio listeners, we're drinking Corona beer right now because I know it's very cliche and uh, everybody else has made the joke before, but yeah. It's Friday. The
1: joke can't (laughs) be made enough because Corona Bear is fucking awesome.
0: (laughs) Yes. And very unfair to them. Yeah. (laughs) Why are you trying
1: to boycott Corona?
0: It's very weird And Chinese food And Chinese food, exactly We know Andy's
1: not Because Andy goes all around New Jersey And he tries all different kinds (laughs) Of Chinese food And he can tell you the best General Tso's And I wish that was a joke But it's not And I'm actually glad it's not a joke Because I benefit from
0: it Why do you wish it was a joke? You should (laughs) not I do, actually I go around and get Whatever General Tso's combination (laughs) special I can
2: So what's current number one right now?
0: It is in Princeton Really? And I can't remember the name of it right now. It was next to a pizza shop that's named after a pirate, and I was going for the pizza pirate, and then I saw the Chinese food, and I went in there. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> That
1: sounds like something I would do, and this is why Andy and I eventually are going to have our own food show. I, I think 100%. Because <laughs> we say pizza or Chinese food, uh, I'm going to go with the Chinese food, obviously. obviously.
0: Obviously.
2: If you don't know, Jen loves her lo mein drunken noodles. Um, this is true, yes. yes.
1: This is true and I am not afraid to admit it and in fact I will sometimes um not use utensils and I think that is um is very and by sexy. by sometimes she
2: means all the time. And I've seen it. I've seen
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's very sexy so if you're if you're wondering who I am based off my voice know that it's sexy. <laughs>
0: Because the way I eat my low main, <laughs> you know, you know when you're kidding, really,
2: huh? you're really like drunk and you you want to eat like M and M's or something really bad, and you tilt your head back and just like like a like a crane game out on the boardwalk, you just dump them all in. That's her with like low main noodles.
1: Yes, I love that visual of like twenty five cents goes <laughs> down, picks up the low main. comes over to your
2: mouth and then goes. But then it misses your mouth and he goes, oh, you didn't win, try again.
1: Except it never misses my mouth. It's like you win the ducky you want every time.
0: (laughs) Or your dog wins whatever doesn't make it into the clown mouth. Yes. (laughs) Right. (laughs) How dare you call me a clown mouth.
1: (laughs) Dude, shit's fucked up, guys. I'm not going to lie. I've been a little emotionally distressed. It's just crazy, but we're here drinking our Corona and we're having a good time. For
0: sure. For sure. You know, it, it, considering every sport out there ever, ever, and every concert, every sport. Every, every, everything is Social gathering. Social gathering. Yeah. Before
1: this podcast, we were at a bar. We, we get some liquid courage before we come on here because we didn't last week and we regretted it. So we were chatting and on all of the screens, they had reruns of sports and no new sports. And that's kind of alarming, but it's where we are right now.
2: Yeah, Last night, they couldn't broadcast sports, so they put The Office on every single TV screen, which was hilarious. I mean, what else you gonna
0: watch? How many Yankee baseball games could you rewatch? For
2: sure. Yankees
1: encore.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Encore over and over and over again. Encore
1: that doesn't end. Double encore. Triple (laughs) encore. You guys are hilarious. Oh, just kidding. It's just there's nothing else to watch.
2: But yeah, yeah, everything. I mean, the first time it actually hit action sports was um, in uh, in China, right? The Shanghai X Games. Right. And that was now, what, two months ago, maybe something like that.
1: Yeah. So I I actually applaud a lot of action sports because action sports happen to travel all around the world. And um, the X Games pulled the plug on their X Games China event, which was mid-February. Like it was a month and a half ago now where they decided to pull that. To be fair, X Games still had their Norway X Games. So they still went through with that. But they canceled the China one. And since then, we've seen a lot of events get canceled. I have a list here. I'll read off. MotoGP was canceled. The Formula One Grand Prix, which started the Formula One season in Australia, was canceled. The 1,000-mile race in Florida, which was the FIA World Endurance Championship, was canceled. Seattle Supercross was canceled. Formula uh, Formula Drift in Long Beach was canceled. And ski and snowboard uh, team canceled (coughs) All of their events for the rest of the season, to be fair. They only had, like, a month left, but they canceled the whole rest
2: of them. So it's not. Nice. And the Formula Drift event in uh, in Long Beach, that's a kickoff event for Formula Day. Mm-hmm. It, it's literally, like, their home base. Mm-hmm. and well, it It's the biggest
0: one. And canceling your end-of-year event, like, that's your championship. Like, that's the most, that's what everybody's waiting to see. I mean, that's the,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like, what you're trying to get to. Yeah.
1: Right. Well, well, yeah. Formula D was brand new, but all of the ones hey, like ski, the and ski and snowboarding yeah, yeah. were all the championship events. Um, what's <laughs> really cool, though, is speaking of motorsports, uh, one of the Formula E drivers actually just announced the first. Uh, they're going to do a not the Australia GP tournament. That's the name of it. That's the name of it to poke fun at the Australia GP tournament. And basically it's a... Esports simulator game that's going to combine the best F1 and Formula E drivers with the top gamers, and they're going to use simulators. And I just think it's super cool to see how people are getting creative with still, you know, racing, still competing, and still bringing and <laughs> interacting those experiences to fans.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. we will trying to bring VR into something so you can actually still compete, still people keep people entertained. You know, people spend, you know, people have short attention spans. A lot of things you keep them out of it for too long. Then all of a sudden they just don't care about it. It's the next thing. Wait, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> <That was good. laughs> it worked. That really it worked. fucked me up, by the way. I was like, "What do, what do you mean? What did I?" <laughs> <laughs>
2: that was my intent. <laughs> yeah, no, it's cool. I mean, there there are some professional drivers across multiple disciplines that uh, have already been competing in these race sims, but it this is just another. Uh, Reason, I guess, whatever, like a, a, a catalyst, right, for the push into esports.
1: Yeah, so esports uh, are, are going to continue to thrive, right? It, yeah. It's actually going to become the only sport and entertainment property that's continuing to exist. 100%. Yeah. And so a lot of drivers today, people don't know about this, but a lot of drivers today mm. in Formula One, in NASCAR, are. Are actually coming up now through simulator programs because yeah. if you think about it, a lot of people are who are who are younger generations are learning things on esports, and that could be everything from NBA 2K, which is an official NBA <coughs> league now, It's an esports league to simulation. NASCAR has their own esports league, and a lot of the NASCAR teams will actually recruit people based off the performance in those leagues, and there are active drivers now who are recruited. through the simulator. So it's actually very interesting... Darn, I wanted to stop saying interesting, but here we are. That's the last <laughs> one I'll say on the podcast. I promise, people. Uh, but but it's cool because um, now there's a creative way to really lean on those simulators and then to bring those into the mainstream because you can bring those, you can mix the real world drivers with what's the, the it, gamers. It's
2: lowering the barrier to entry, right? Yes. So like, I mean, th- throughout racing's history, like you, you traditionally you need a lot of money. To, to make a name for yourself. Or if you didn't have a lot of money, you just needed a scrappy race team and you just had to come up through the ranks mm-hmm. for years and years and years, until you finally got recognized and then a big sponsor like McLaren or whatever picked you up. But, but now the, the bar has been brought down significantly mm-hmm. because you can sign into this you know, E simulator and race against some of the best drivers in the world and get recruited onto an actual fucking race team, mm-hmm. which is awesome, it's crazy.
0: The fact that you can actually get recruited, its like a flight simulator for like the military. Yeah, precisely, right? like, yeah, yeah. 100%. You got to do so many. The in that physics
2: book. are very accurate.
0: Okay, so yeah. that makes a lot of sense. then. it makes sense that it, I, I got to imagine the heat in the suits and all that stuff. Is oh, there's a whole different. different endurance level. Yeah, right. That is like a, but you got the skill that can be seen, and then you can move into like, all right, let's put you in this cockpit and see what happens. Like these are the other things. Yeah, you yeah, hundred percent.
1: Well, a lot of Formula One drivers use the simulator pretty strenuously strenuously before a race so they'll get to um, say, say they get to a track on a, on a Thursday a lot of what they're doing from from for those two days before they actually hit off on their in their actual cars is just simulating the race over and over and over mm-hmm. again. So it's, it's all muscle it's, memory. It's yeah. all muscle memory, yeah. and and it's really a thing, right? It's a little bit it different is. if you're talking about a touring competition where you're going completely off track and off road, and they're not really they're not familiar with the track. That's kind of how the event works. But in a, in a an rally event, rally you're talking about
2: rally. A yeah. rally, yes. Yeah, yeah, touring, a touring on our tracks. Sorry, yeah. my bad. It's okay.
1: Um, but in in an event where you know the track and you can and you can virtually map that track, it makes a lot of sense to go over it over and over and over again. And so to be to, to actually turn these into competitions and say, hey, we're not going to sit at home idly while coronavirus is a bitch. We're going to continue to go and race and create fandom and create competition. That's awesome.
2: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. In the face um, of adversity, right? Uh, yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, victory favors the prepared, right? And just keep doing these things over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, to, to your point with the physics and the repetition, uh, Gran Turismo, huge game while I was growing up, right? Um, and one of the reasons it was so large is because the physics that they replicated within the game were actual physics, and it's it got to the point, and it still is to this day, where they would put trackers on drivers, like actual drivers that were in races, and they would Track their their endurance levels, their vitals. They would track the car physics, all the body roll in the turns, every single little thing, and they would incorporate it into the game. And you could adjust things like down to such a minute level that you can literally tune your car in the game, just like you would in real life. And in the Gran Turismo has legit, they had legit races. They still do. I'm assuming I've played in a long time. They would have endurance races, even, where you would have to just sit there for 300 fucking laps just to get an achievement. Really? Yeah, but, I mean, it's, it that's a real thing. Like, the 24 hours of Le Mans, I mean you were literally racing for 24 hours straight and you would just sit there and race and, and hand off the control to your friend like over and over again
0: I remember trying to play Gran Turismo in like a, a formula car or something very fast and right. all yeah. I did was burn tires and go in circles yeah, yeah. like I couldn't even yeah. I couldn't it's even it's manipulate real. it I was like this is so crazy like this game sucks <laughs> like <laughs> yeah you suck yeah, it, well, you re- <laughs> in reality that's what it really was but I remember it was in fucking Toys <laughs> R Us and I'm sitting there like in the little little caddy oh you're
2: playing Gran Turismo at Toys R Us yeah Oh that's no that's a long form game. You should not have been playing that toys right. Well, I it was, was just
0: trying <laughs> It <laughs> was probably one of
1: those you can try it and buy it and Andy was yeah. like, "Excuse me people. I uh I have some business to do yeah. here."
0: This game sucks. I want my money back. Like this is <laughs> <laughs>
2: But yeah, I mean, a lot of other things are close to you, like Mount Everest. Mount
1: Everest is close. You said it like
2: it was your ex boyfriend or something. (laughs) Because I
1: feel that way. (laughs) Mount fucking Everest, man. Dude, it's the biggest mountain in the world. You have to think about this too from the standpoint of how. Now, I don't want to focus on money, but. Holy shit! The money that's being lost across all these leagues, and Mount Everest is no different. People pay as much as like one hundred and thirty dollars to do per person to do uh, Mount Everest expeditions. It's not cheap. So one hundred
2: thirty dollars. One
1: hundred thirty
2: thousand. Oh, you didn't say you didn't thousand. One hundred
0: thirty dollars. I was like, I was like,
2: wow, one hundred thirty whole dollars. It's usually
1: actually the stats I saw were twenty eight thousand to eighty five thousand, but going up past six figures. Not six figures going up past a hundred thousand <laughs> for people that's who are willing to pay it and more customers. You had yet. to write those six figures, but that's more than six a hundred thousand
2: is six figures. Mm. Mm. Good thing, yeah.
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> math and stuff, good stuff, good and, numbers. <laughs> and tr- you gotta think about like, uh, the, the Sherpas, too, right? The there's locals. Their
0: entire, that's, that's their entire economy. Yeah, that's their whole
2: business. Yeah. Right.
0: Like, that's what that is. They're literally out of work now. Yeah.
2: Oh. And there's no fucking McDonald's in Nepal. You <laughs> know? Like,
1: there might be. Yeah. I don't
2: know, mate. Not, not in the sure. upper not, Nepal. Not I in the upper no. Nepal, though. No.
1: So, essentially, um, they shut it down. So, first, uh, China shut down their border, which is the northern part of Everest, which is. Yeah, one hundred and thirty grand is is the max. Um, anyway, so so first is. China shutting down the northern part, which nobody really cared as much because most of the expeditions go through Nepal. So it was kind of like, oh, guys, sorry, sorry, expeditions on the China side, you're lost. And then two days later, the Nepal side shut down, which is massive because that's where the vast majority of everything that you normally see. That's every movie I've ever seen going through. All all
2: the base camps operated. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: and part of the reason is because. (laughs) coronavirus is a respiratory disease and you're up that high. You're already really straining your respiratory system. Yeah, and, oxygen, yep. and you're sh- at base camps you're sharing facilities very intimately with people from all around the world.
0: How intimately? Fun fact very intimately. <laughs> about the... What are they called?
2: Sherpas? 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 The, the mm-hmm.
0: Sherpas is that they're genetically different hmm. than everyone else in the world as far as their respiratory system goes. Really, uh, their mitochondrial DNA is different than everyone else. Are they Jedi? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so they actually, so the mitochondria in their body, they actually have better oxygen usage and energy uses. The mitochondria in their battery, the battery of the batteries, yeah, 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 the battery, battery of batteries. their body, woo, I like that. Actually, is more efficient than any other people in the world. They're fucking including Jenis. the yeah, lower, sure. like even the same parts of the country, lower atmosphere. Their, their their oxygen use and energy use is 100% different.
2: Qui-Gon!
0: Yeah, like on their genetic DNA level, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's, wow. nice. that's nice. Fun fact, fun fact, everybody. Isn't
1: that interesting yeah. that you can be all around the world and we're all pretty biologically the same, except when you're living at...
0: Different altitudes. High altitude.
1: High, <laughs> high altitude, 8,000 feet or so, and you're sitting there and your body is like, hey... Bro, we're going to evolve real quick because this isn't sustainable. And then all of a sudden, you have different DNA.
0: Yeah, yeah, that you're actually on the on the genetic level different. That's
2: why the people of Atlantis have gills. (laughs) No, nothing,
0: nothing. No, nobody. (laughs) For everybody who's just listening, (laughs) sad faces. (laughs) Atlantis is totally a place, guys. Did I do it? That was great.
2: Very good. Very good.
1: For those listening on the podcast, we've decided we're going to explain things to you more and not rely on videos. So, thank you, Andy, for using the sad face emoji. I, I
0: sound emoji did.
1: Sorry. As Ming on the computer, as our sound engineer brings up Atlantis Resort. <laughs>
2: Dude. Uh, Oh, oh, so, like, oh uh, <laughs> sad face emoji. <laughs> Life hack, by the way. I don't know if this still exists anymore. Uh, years ago, I think back in 06, uh, you can stay at the Days Inn next to Atlantis Resort in the Bahamas on Paradise Island for, uh, what, 130 a night or something, like a Days Inn price, and get access to all the amenities at Atlantis. Ooh. What? Instead of paying, what is it, 600 a night or something? That's per person, what? probably. Yeah, it yeah is, it's uh, expensive. Michael Jackson Suite's really a lot of money.
1: When I was in college for spring break, we went to the same island that Atlantis is on, and they fit about 250 of us in there. And, you know, we were, we were probably a 15 minute walk from Atlantis, but, you know, Cold water shut down. They ran out of things. It was like the crap below that you could go. And oh, I was like, bay least... was right
2: next to it. You were even lower than that."
1: Yes. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. No, we were on the bay side, so it was like. Oh yeah, no. um, yeah.
2: No. It's not a very
1: no. large island, but the bay. Side, <laughs> yeah, no,
2: we were right next to it. We were like the. We were like the gardeners kept their lawn mowers. Uh, I don't know. There's, there's grass there. I don't remember. Probably the sand mowers. Whatever.
1: <laughs> there's probably grass it, there, yeah. It,
2: in one of the like the rooms of the days in. That's how close we were. But it was it was awesome.
0: Don't they have golf courses? They must have grass.
2: Uh no, not on actually that not island.
1: on that island. No,
0: that's yeah. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Paradise
2: Island. Paradise oh. Island it's off the, off NASA. Oh.
0: But anywho, all right, guys, moving on, that's moving switch. on from
2: coronavirus, hot topic.
0: Yeah, figure we should do that. Yes. So what are we? So what's going on next? What are we doing, guys? What are we looking um, here?
2: Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about
0: extreme E. Extreme E. Mm-hmm. Is this electron ele- like electric engine racing? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I didn't study any <laughs> of it. I'm wondering.
1: <laughs> you don't
0: know. You said electric tron.
1: I was. I thought you were an
0: expert. <laughs> I was like, I don't know where I'm going with this, but.
2: So th- there's been a very large push um, uh, from from Formula uh, whatever association that's called
1: Formula E. Well, Formula oh, e of, FAI, uh, fo- F-
2: I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so Extreme E is uh, the off-road division, I guess I'll say, hmm. uh, of Formula E, and uh, it it basically is electric rally like pre-runner vehicles so you, you ever see tr- like trucks that like are running like o- over the desert like jumping dunes and they shit like, like that look
0: like crazy looking cool
2: dune buggies yeah exactly yeah yeah but they're electric they're electric right exactly yeah so so extreme e is the electric version of that of that that race format uh and it, it's it's existing but it hasn't like commissioned any races yet um they're still they're still working on on testing their vehicles but uh so the reason i bring it up is because about a month and a half ago ken block who's a world famous rally driver uh raced in the 2020 dakar rally which was uh in saudi arabia um he raced their their inaugural suv we called the odyssey 21 or the electric beast is what they call it and it kind of looks like uh a bastardized Land Rover, like, <laughs> fuck the Cybertruck. Like, right? But it's bad as fuck, right? It's like 400 kilowatts of power, which equates to like 536 horsepower. And it's, it's all off-road, and it's just a nasty, nasty beast. Um, so, so, the Dakar Rally, if anyone doesn't know, uh, it's, uh, 7,000 kilometers over harsh desert terrains. It shifts around the world every single year. Um, but, uh, the, uh, Ken Block drove the Odyssey 21 in the Future Alternative category, uh, which is just the last stage, the final stage. Uh, that's 20 kilometers of the 12-day Dakar Rally, um, which includes like e-bikes, e-trucks, and hybrid cars, and, and shit like that. Um, and the, the, the reason Electric E wanted to do this, they chose the car Rally because it's the highest-profile like off-road like rally event for for trucks. Uh, it, well, for off-road vehicles. And they they wanted to support the organization's commitment to like electric vehicles and future sustainability. Um, and the last thing I'll say about it is kind of like Ken Block, who we'll get into in, in a minute. Um, he one of his comments was he's so used to the uh, internal combustion engine that uh, he had to like le- relearn how to drive the vehicle. And the reason because of that, the reason for that is because mechanical engines and electric engines operate very differently, right? They're they're completely different animals. So mechanical engines, when like internal combustion motors, right? They have like a, like a cap of power, and that's why you have a transmission because you know based on you know physics and gearing ratios and things like that. If you want, you need a mechanical advantage. So you know lar- the when you come from a standstill and you need you need more torque to like start off, right? You have larger gears and and that has more teeth. And then as you accelerate and you get more speed, it turns from mechanical advantage down to, uh, uh, sorry, torque advantage down to uh, acceleration and speed advantage. And the gears get smaller and smaller, like on a bicycle. Exactly like on your twenty-speed bike <laughs> from when you were a kid. Precisely, that's how I think about it. Honestly,
0: yeah. well, I mean that's exactly. It. Go for the larger one or the smaller one. Yeah. So the one for going up. So down. you remember when you
2: were a kid and you were on the bike and the first gear was like this giant gear and you're like, oh my god, I gotta pedal this shit. But then like you're like, clicking up, clicking up, clicking up as you're getting faster. And then you're in like the tiny twentieth gear and your legs are just going real fast. Like, spinning around, yeah, and you're like, I'm so, I'm so fast, I'm so fast. <laughs> it's the same way with car, car transmissions, yeah, or vehicle transmissions.
0: <laughs> so with the electric, it's just straight from the engine to the to the wheels. Then there's no in between on that.
2: Yeah. So so electrical vehicles uh, traditionally do not have gearing. They don't need gearing. <laughs> so
1: that's crazy. I did not realize that.
2: Yeah. So some some of them put gearing in, but the, it's not for the sake of the electric motor. They just put it in for different terrains, like if you're going uphill, downhill, or over different,
1: yeah. Ooh, well, fun facts. I have some fun facts about <laughs> the Electric Beast. Oh, good. Okay, so first of all, its wheels are nearly two feet in diameter, 37
2: Holy shit, are you serious?
1: Actually, 37 inches means more than two feet. So <laughs> they're more than two feet. It's
2: literally three feet. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: yep.
1: Uh, the width of the vehicle is 7.5 feet. The height of the vehicle is 6.2 feet, which means that this shit is taller than me and probably Doug and maybe Andy.
0: 6.2? No, exact same height. <laughs> oh, so, so basically Andy, <laughs> Andy
1: and the Odyssey 21 are at the same so height. Right the, <laughs> the length of it is 14.4 feet. So many of us, for me, that's three gens. About. Three
2: gens. Is that your new unit of measurement?
1: <laughs> yes. That car is three gens
2: and one Andy tall.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the audio electric beast is one Andy tall and three gens long, and it weighs one point eight tons. One point
0: eight tons. Is that? I guess that's all the battery.
2: I mean, that's that's pretty it's typical. Everything. Yeah, it, it's probably all battery. Yes. And
1: get this, despite being nearly two tons, that shit can go from zero to 62 miles per hour in
2: 4.5 seconds. Stole your thunder.
1: Five seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, no. (laughs) However, what Doug didn't say. At
2: gradients up to 130%.
1: Damn.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Almost (laughs) had it.
1: (laughs) But think about that, dude. Like, it can go up to gradients up to 130%. And, and go that fast on an all-electric, no-gasoline-powered vehicle. That's insane.
2: Off-road, which is the Off crazy road. part. Off-road, yeah. right. So we have a lot of electrical vehicles that, and motorcycles, you know, respect, uh, that sure. have instant power. Yeah. So you think about it like this, right? So when, when lightning strikes, there's no like, oh, I'll get there and electrocute you, right? It's just like, boom, instant power. So that's what electrical vehicles do. They store all this power in these batteries, and then when you... You have the battery pack, and then you have another bank of capacitors, and capacitors store electricity for instant demand. So you have all these capacitors on top of these battery packs. When you hit the gas, or I guess it technically shouldn't be called the gas anymore, the accelerator, right? Um, all it does is pour all this electricity into the drivetrain and just accelerates you. And that's one of your – you ever see like an electric car via, uh, video where it's just a whine? and like it sounds really really futuristic and cool like, <laughs> like it's it's literally just electricity like pouring into the drivetrain
0: like a like a remote control car it's just like yeah. electric right through the drive
2: yeah so like if you, if you think about like a a mechanical like internal combustion engine they have, they have a, a certain rotational limit, right? So if you understand, uh, I won't get into the details, but if you understand how an internal combustion works, there's, uh, there's a crankshaft and there's pistons that go up and down, and that crankshaft can only spin at a certain RPM, and then it maxes out until the whole thing fucking explodes, right? So it gets to a certain point where it just can't chug anymore, like Thomas the Train. It's like, I think again, I think again, it's like, all right, I'm done, bro. Yeah. I can't go any faster. So gearing handles that, and you switch your gearing, and it goes, okay, I'll go back to, like, a, you know, a lesser level of spinning but with a with a different gear size and but will produce more power because now we're actually moving we have forward motion. Electricity just like I don't give a buck, bro. Like I'm just gonna keep spinning the wheels until everything catches on fire.
0: <laughs> so but that's where like actually having gearing in the electric, especially off road makes sense because you can't always just be going fucking full tilt, especially if you're going up right. gradients or whatever. Yeah. You need something to You just can't rely on. I'm gonna press it real gentle. Right. Yeah. Like you need some time. Yeah. yeah, Exactly.
2: It's like driving a dry car in the rain. (laughs) Right. right. And you know, like I might need a little help. Right. Right. Like my motorcycle has like a wet mode, and because sure it does. (laughs) (laughs) I use it all the time. It's my favorite mode. Hello ladies. Just guilty pleasure. (laughs)
0: It looks like Batman's motorcycle. It's <laughs> cool looking. It is. A cool <laughs> motorcycle.
2: But it's because there's a lot of power, right? And, you know, some people, probably a lot of people, they'll hit the throttle not realizing that there's a lot of power there and the wheel, rear wheel will spin. And you don't have four wheels that, like, kind of level out. You know, like, right. you hit it the wrong way on a motorcycle, it's, yeah, you're eating shit from, for the most part.
1: I just, I mean, these, this extreme e series is going to start in january 2021 and they're going all over the fucking place and and we're talking like on some crazy terrain so the whole so so the the league was started by alejandro agag who started extreme e uh, i'm sorry who started formula e (laughs) Which is currently the Formula One's version of an electric racing series with real cars. But the difference between Formula One and um, Formula E, besides the fact that it's all electric vehicles, is Formula E actually takes place in cities. So it's like city circuits. So Rome, Brooklyn, they I mean, you go there and you're you're they shut down streets and they're having events.
0: Yeah, for that some shit F1. that scares the shit out of me when I watch. Like they're going yeah. through the streets and people are just like on the corner, yeah, watching it. They and do that flying around some turns.
2: Formula One events. Though. Oh, do they? Okay. Yeah, they do. They do. Well, they do.
1: Extreme is exclusively city courses.
2: Yeah, yeah, and also uh, go kart tracks too, right, Jen? Didn't you race with some Formula E drivers in the uh, go kart track? <laughs> I watched go karts. Well,
1: it's funny you say that because yes, because it's true. It's true, but that was a press event before Formula E Brooklyn. So I was racing against, um, for fun at a press event, Perks of Being a Reporter. <laughs> um, I was racing against them at, like, a indoor... Um, go-kart track. Go-kart track. Electric go-kart track. Yes. And then, RPM And raceway. then they went and straight up ripped it up the streets of Brooklyn in an electric race car. So it was pretty cool. But, yeah, so, so it was...
2: But how would you do, though?
1: Um, I think I got... S- Second Don't. to last.
0: I was going to say, do oh not God. say second. I, <laughs> I swear like... to
2: God.
0: Fucking <laughs> liar.
2: <laughs> <laughs> last. <laughs> last.
0: <laughs>
1: I was trying to decide if I was going to say second you, to you, last. You're trying or, to decide or, if you're going to lie. Or Is be you're or you're honest <laughs> and say last.
0: I think we
2: wouldn't hold against you. You're racing against legit. Formula drivers. Yeah, I think
1: the answer was... There was also other journalists there, though, so... But, you know, they're probably auto journalists, so... No one cares about them. Yeah, anyway, so... (laughs) (laughs) The race was started by this guy who started Formula E, and... They are one of the reasons. So, all the proponents of Formula E, all the proponents of Extreme E, are all about raising awareness about climate change and showing how you can still have these amazing events that are actually have a significantly less of an environmental impact.
2: Motorsports, yeah.
1: Of motorsports. Mm-hmm. And. So Extreme E, started by the same guy who started Formula E, is, is a series that has five different locations, and they're actually raising awareness about five different types of climate change, which is wild. Yeah, because the,
2: the locations are climates that are extreme climates that are affected by climate change directly.
1: So Uh, in mid-January, they'll be in Senegal, which is on the western coast of Africa, and that'll be for the ocean leg. And then a month later, they go to Saudi Arabia, which is where the Dakar rally is that Doug was talking about earlier, and that will be for the desert leg. And then they head up to Nepal which we chatting about Nepal all day long today. (laughs) And Nepal is for the mountain leg. Then they go to Greenland for the glacier leg. And then to end it all, which will be at the end of 2021, they will be in Brazil for the rainforest leg. Mm I
0: like that. That's super cool. I feel like they should
2: also end up in Anarca for like the ice caps leg or something.
1: And. Antarctica? I feel like you said that weird. Antarctica. (laughs) Antarctica.
2: (laughs) Why are you saying it weird?
1: (laughs) Antarctica. Yes, well, uh, Greenland is kind of like it. It's not
0: Antarctica, though. (laughs) I think it's funny because it's like the opposite.
1: (laughs) People think Greenland's green. But
0: but Iceland's green. I feel like no
2: one thinks that anymore because it's such a sad, like, worn out joke guess what? Greenland isn't green. It's like, and what do you? I know, I went to fifth grade.
1: Andy and I don't think we're sad. And...
0: <laughs>
1: okay. Yes, you're right. You're right. Uh, that's a lame joke. But yeah, Greenland. Did I
0: learn that in class? Wasn't that only something like something in fifth grade? Yeah, it's in every fucking grade. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I remembered that right. There's a lot of stuff that I remember from school that wasn't like. Really, <laughs> it was a thing that people wanted people to go to Greenland, so they go to Greenland. The Nobody only thing wanted people to go to Iceland, so they called it Iceland.
2: The only thing I know about Greenland
0: is... <laughs> They're trying to fuck Like, with opposite Eddie. day. Like, <laughs> we need people to come here. Call it green. We don't want anyone to come here. Let's call it icy. <laughs> it's, uh,
1: it's,
2: I'm pretty
0: sure that's what I learned in school. I may exactly. be wrong. That's the
1: same. You, yeah. In school, Andy learned that Greenland and Iceland are the same, but they do opposite day depending on whether or not they want people to come.
2: And, and the irony is that everyone wants to go to Iceland now. <laughs>
1: Iceland is cool as shit. Yeah,
2: I've never been. But they won't even go. they won't even let you like get a citizenship. You can't even apply. Really? Yeah, because it's in such high demand. It's like
0: fuck you. We're they out. have a
2: really good economy, and they have a because <laughs> they have a moderate population. They can control that population. Mm-hmm. Not not control it like oh scary dictator control. Yeah. Just like okay, well everybody has like you know. Zero-cost healthcare, and they have, you know, really low mortgages, or if any mortgages, or whatever. There was right. some, like, crazy student loan forgiveness thing, or I don't know, right? There's something like that. I forgot. It was a while ago. But everyone's like, I want to go to Iceland. And they're like, nope, fuck you, bro. <laughs> I'm
0: pretty much New Zealand's the same way. Like, you can't become a citizen of New Zealand unless you bring a skill that the island needs. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you can't come here unless you bring something we need.
1: Do they need writers? Do they need podcasters? New Zealand? We're as long as you're
2: not a criminal. We're available.
1: <laughs> oh. Are
2: you from Australia? You're out.
1: <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know about so, Some
0: of us, maybe, but whatever. <laughs> well, a another interesting.
1: Dang it. I said. Interesting it again. again. Another really spectacular thing. Ooh, that's, that's
0: worse. That's better. worse. No, it's not. Cool story, bro. <laughs> all
1: right. Another thing to add to all of this.
2: <laughs> now sounds boring. Damn. Go on
1: is that um, being actually interested and aware of the environment is cool. Yes. And it attracts people. So Formula E is has way more interest from people under the age of 35 than Formula One ever wishes they had. I mean, they Formula E sets records and viewership from 35 and under. In fact, they have, last year, their last season, 70% of Formula E's viewers on social were all under 30. I, no, I believe 35. that. I believe that. So, it, it, and it's <laughs> How do you so, say things without saying it's interesting? Just say
2: just say intriguing. And I like awesome. Awesome. What's awesome
1: about it <laughs> is um but seriously, younger people are a little bit more attuned and aware of things about the environment. And and you know what's so really, you
2: know what's really cool what? is um, back. Uh, Tied a company a few years ago when we were trying to do uh, sustainable building, and uh, weird that nobody wanted to invest in that. Like the the old school real mm. estate developer guys. Mm-hmm. It's so weird would never have expected that whatsoever. But one of of the ideas that I had come up with when we were doing all this stuff was actually creating a race league that was electric vehicles. And this was Uh, before Formula E was announced. You did? I did, yeah. Uh, Because I know that competition breeds innovation in general across any industry. And this would be like a perfect venue. Electric vehicles were just really starting to pick up and there was a, there was competition light, light competition between some manufacturers. and if you created a format where they can go head to head and earn bragging rights slash sponsorship dollars slash you know I'm gonna develop the first vehicle, you know bragging rights slash you know et cetera et cetera, then we could we, we would have been able to like encourage
0: that development. I mean, not for nothing too. It's like going under like younger viewerships and all that stuff too. Like you have mm-hmm. these events where these cars are ripping by. Like that's something you can bring your kids to a little bit more without wearing ear protection. Mm-hmm. Like
2: sure, like yeah.
0: get it. Like you can get people into the you know you got the speed. That's what everybody always talked about for years. In my opinion, yeah. like fuck electric cars, this and that. I don't yeah, have the yeah, speed. Yeah. But if you can actually go out there with your family and have a nice day and still watch them go fast as fuck, yeah, and do all the shit that you really want, but not have to rip your head off with sound like is that really that
2: so that's an interesting question actually because um when, when so so one of the things i wanted to i wanted to bring up and i'll just i'll bring it up briefly um so we we had talked about to to go back throw it back uh ken block was the one who ran uh extreme E's odyssey 21 vehicle if you know anything about the world of motorsports and you don't live under a fucking rock Ken Block is a world championship rally driver who um, has essentially become a very influential figure in bringing or casting a light on on the drifting, the sport of drifting and drifting culture uh, through via his Gymkhana series. So. He has been recording since, uh, I, I don't have the, the number, of the year in front of me, but he's on, he, he made 10 Gymkhana's and two climbkhanas um, so, yeah, uh, but essentially, Gymkhana is, uh, a old Indian Persian term from the late 1800s, Jen's favorite century again, <laughs> as she's taking a photo of me <laughs> as I'm talking, um. But it's an, In 1800s, they 1800s, took a lot of photos. Did they?
0: They were slower.
2: So Gymkhana is an old Indian person term from the uh, 1800s for a place where skill contests were held. So basically, Ken Block's Gymkhana series was him drifting his rally car in abandoned areas, well, that's how it started anyway, because he wanted to learn how to slide his all-wheel drive vehicle across tarmac. So in, in, in other parts of the world, rally rally racers, it's not just off-road. The courses, the stages aren't just off-road, there's also like asphalt and tarmac. So he wanted to learn how to do that. Even though he was only racing in America, he wanted to actually figure out how to get his car to do that.
0: All right, yeah, like doing prep work here to like possibly do it one day or whatever he wants to do. Right, just practicing. I just want to learn it. Like, yeah,
2: exactly, exactly. And he recorded it and then he put it on YouTube and it fucking blew up, blew up like crazy, like hundreds of millions of views blew up, and it was single handedly responsible. Not single handedly, sorry, but it was it it contributed largely to dramatically contributed to yeah mainstream exposure of drifting culture.
0: I think that's pretty cool. Yes. I mean, I think drifting; those drifting competitions are super awesome. They are.
1: They are. But let's talk for a hot sec about Ken Block's shredtastic experience on one of China's most dangerous roads. Right. That, I feel like, That's bro, the climb
2: kind of. That's the two things I said after, for sure. But
1: can you describe it more?
2: Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I was getting there, Jen. I was getting there. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, so, um. So Ken Block did these 10 Gymkhana's, which, by the way, not to gloss over them, one of them he shut down. He had San Francisco. The streets of San Francisco shut down just so he could rip his fucking car through the streets of San Francisco over the hills. He was doing donuts around trolleys and shit like that. He's done it in airports. Uh, It was a racetrack somewhere. I don't know. One of the racetracks. Maybe – who cares? Um, <laughs> it was fucking cool, right? Um, uh, shipping docks. Um, so anyway, after after Jim Con ten, which was I think I believe last year, he started. Uh, actually, let me let me let me walk it back for one second. Thanks, Jen, for fucking up my flow. You're Just you're kidding. Welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, it's been
1: thirty-two years of this. 30,
0: yes, thirty-three great. years. What's five more minutes? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Um, okay, so. Yeah, where was I? Okay, so Ken Block is a founder of Hoonigan. Hoonigan is a, started as just like a group of friends, and and if you want a spelling, it's H-O-O-N-I-G-A-N, Hoonigan. Right? Okay. I would some,
1: have never spelled it that way. I love it.
2: Yes. So so he started it as a just a, like a group of friends. Well. I'm sure they were friends, you know, whatever. And they, the whole idea was to, it was a group to just, like, throw, like, really crazy, awesome automotive f- parties. And their mission statement was just make cars, like, have fun with vehicles. Like, make cars go fast, have fun with them, whatever. Like, that's all they wanted to do. Love that. Yeah. So, and, and this is, I'm going to read this verbatim. So, the way they define Hoonigan, a person who operates a motor vehicle in an aggressive and orthodox, unorthodox manner, consisting of, but not limited to, drifting, burnouts, donuts, as well as lack of automotive aeronautics. One who hoons.
1: Love uh, that.
2: Yes. So th- that is the definition of hoonigan. But, uh, Sounds that- like
1: people that I'd want to be friends with.
2: Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So what, instead of cool again, they're like hoonigans? Precisely, yes. That's cool. Yeah. I like it. I was like... <laughs> yeah. So that, that's that's kind of like how it started. Uh, hoonigan and, and the Jim Gymkhana series all kind of like really propelled Ken Block's career on top of the fact that he's a world championship rally fucking driver. He's an amazing driver, right? So uh, as they started to get notoriety and, and more respect with the Hoonigan you know, brand name, they formed a, the Hoonigan Racing Team where they brought on uh, Vaughn Gittin Jr. and Ryan Turek. And if you don't know who they are, they are Formula D, Formula Drift championship drifters, like very decorated drifters.
0: What's the formula part? Like, what's the difference? Is it a different car? Is that what that means?
2: So, so I guess it's just the name that they have for it. So, okay, so Formula Drift, uh, which is now shortened to Formula D, but it stands for Formula Drift. Um, formula Drift was founded in two thousand three by two friends that wanted to bring drifting competitions to the United States, because they're very popular overseas, obviously, specifically Japan, right? So they they basically essentially created a league. Here in the United States, for for drifters, and they created rules around it, and they created production value, and created a series. So, like, they called multiple racetracks across the country and said, "Hey, can we host this event there?" And they set up courses and toured, and uh, uh, they recruited drivers that would just go to all these different racetracks and conduct drifting events. And they created a league, and there would be a championship at the
0: end, like. Like any race event, basically. Seems like they were well recepted then. It wasn't like, no, don't do your fucking bullshit around my track. Like, I don't want you screech well, around corners or.
2: Well, here's the thing, right? Is a drifting came in at a time, again, 2003. The racing, like, especially like regional tracks, they had no fucking business. There's nobody there. You're going to see like random open wheel modifieds. Like, and most people don't even know what the fuck that is, right? Like, yeah, you don't know, right? For yeah. For it's basically a, it's basically like the the four tiers down from NASCAR or maybe three tiers down. Like it it's it's a regional race format where you run you know a, a roll cage with with open wheels, no fenders or anything. Oh, it's, I know the cars you're talking about. You know exactly about. what yeah, I'm I've seen them on TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you've seen them, you've seen them. And like nobody cared about it. Nobody cares about it. That race culture died like 20 years ago, unfortunately. I mean, it still exists, but the The local racetracks they have no other business, right? Right, and they're
0: losing the homes being built around them. They're like noise complaints and all that stuff.
2: Like, right, right. So, good point. So, Formula D was supposed to start next month, April tenth. Obviously, that's now canceled. Thank you, coronavirus. So, there. Cheers! (laughs) Take a sip of the Corona. We're we're
1: taking a cheers and a sip with our Corona. We're drinking Corona beer because you
2: know why the (laughs) fuck not? Mm -hmm. But um. But uh, for, they're supposed to start next week. Um, so for the past, I don't know, since they've been operating this, I don't, I don't know if they, I don't know if they started touring in 2003 or maybe it was a year or two after. But they've been running at. Uh, so again, we're based in New Jersey. There's a speedway called Walled Speedway, um, and it's a circle track that they would cut into a figure eight. And they called it the Gauntlet because it was a bank track, and most drifting tracks are just flat like they cut a piece of it like a street track out and you, you do a little section of it whatever but there's bank turns here so people would th- this was the highest speed track in a formula di- in formula drift because people would hit the fucking wall like not, not only hit the wall but hit the turn like that to have i think it was like a 27 degree bank or something 35 don't quote me on the number but because it was a bank turn they could hit it at a higher speed and drift around it really fast and it was really, really high intensity, but because the owners of Wall Stadium have now sold out to real estate developers, want, want, but I can't say I blame them. They've been holding on for a long time, decades. And they've been fighting a lot
0: of battles with noise complaints. Yeah, and, and then, all that then the stuff. noise
2: complaint on top of it. Yeah. It's like,
0: well, you're the dick who bought the house. Right. That, you, that was built behind the racetrack. It's like those people sure. who like, shine lasers at the airport and right. the plane yeah. coming. It's like, and then arguments. Well, yeah, been- man, don't buy a fucking house in a flight pattern. Right. And
2: that argument's <laughs> been happening all around the country with, with regional, local racetracks. Like, people move next to these racetracks and go, it's so fucking loud. Like, no shit, it's loud. You move next to a racetrack.
1: Oh, gosh, we have the same problem at skydiving place because people complain about the planes all the time yeah. and we're like you move next to skydiving place yeah like,
2: airports are be, another big thing of it. Yeah. unfortunately
1: <laughs> be planes but i did want to say that, for that formula time. one <laughs> well i didn't hear that i mean she's ignoring so, it there, <laughs> see there oh you. that i brought it back to skydiving well, no
0: no yes I... no,
2: no, no. climb no. in china <laughs>
1: <laughs> so so All of Formula One, Formula E, a lot of the GPs are operated by the Federation Internationale de l'Automobile, which is FIA. So FIA is the parent company of a lot of these organizations. And according to – I'm sorry, everyone, but I'm about to cite Wikipedia – According to Wikipedia, the word formula.
0: That only matters to people you know in journalism. Everybody else is like, I get it. Everyone's (laughs) like, I get it.
1: My editors are like crying. Uh, The word formula in the name refers to the set of rules to which all participants, all participant cars must conform. So I feel like formula formula is just like the formula, like these are the rules and then each Formula division has their own set of rules.
2: Like all different theorems.
0: Mm -hmm. I gotcha. So like maybe you Certain engine types and wheel sizes and those type of things in certain tracks, that's why.
2: Sure. Well, okay. So, I would say with Formula Drift, I can say with certainty. So, all the vehicles in Formula Drift are vastly different from one another. I mean, you could generally assume they're all going about 90 miles an hour, and they have around 1,000 horsepower. Maybe some have 900, maybe some have 1,400 horsepower, but it's a lot, right? But it's, it's kind of in that range. It's more about the rules that govern the scoring, right? So... Most drift events, especially in Formula Drift, well, exclusively in Formula Drift, um, there are other formats. I, I know, guys, I know. You know, the, Anybody out there that knows drifting, I know. But for the most part, tandem drifting is uh, the far and wide, it's the most uh, popular method of, of format. So what that means is there's a lead car and there's a chase car. So there's two, there's two runs that happen. So say you pull up to a track and you have two competitors that are going head-to-head. Oh. Uh, they line up at the starting line, and then it's predetermined. At the first run, car A ha- is the lead car, and they go around this course, predetermined course, where there's points. Yeah, uh, when I say points, I mean there's there's fixed stationary objects that they have to get their vehicle close to at yep. high speeds, sideways, gets it close to without touching. Yeah, yes. Well, so there's you. It's all about angle. How much angle you get around turns? How much? Uh, proximity you are to the to the lead driver. So the the chase car has to be close to the lead driver as close as possible the entire time. Right? It's about speed, how fast are you going around the track? And it's about style of like how how well you're doing it, which kind of interprets to like how much smoke are you generating. Like does it look fucking good? Does it look good? Does it look like you're trying? Does it look sexy and stylistic? Or are you just, like, forcing your car, like, oh, you're, you're right on this guy's bumper, and then you're hitting the gas, and you're kicking the back out, and you're kicking the back out. And you try to get close to him. You're just not, like, a clean line. So you're trying right? to, like,
0: synchronize with your— Precisely. Comp- Competition, yeah,
2: yeah. So the so oh, the first wow, that's
0: kind of crazy, right? right. Like, yeah. absolutely, absolutely.
2: So a car A takes off the line, car B follows him and has to get as close as possible and mimic his every movement. And then after that runs over, they switch spots. Car B is now the lead car, and car A is the chase car, and they do it again. And whoever does it better wins.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That's tandem drifting.
0: Oh, huh. I mean, that sounds that sounds crazy cool.
2: It's very fucking cool.
1: And on top of that, now they have, which isn't tandem, they have. Um, race car or not race car but obstacle course drifting
2: oh yeah Uh, hyperdrive on Netflix and that just shows you how how uh, how mainstream and I, I hate to use that word but it really I mean if you want to do something that you love for a living you got to kind of mainstream it a little bit. I mean, I saw
0: Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift. I get how cool it is. Don't ever say that <laughs> again on this <laughs> podcast. Don't totally, a totally joke. Totally joke, everybody. Sorry. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> no. So Netflix uh, actually just created an original series called Hyperdrive, um, and they basically rented out an old, um, like, industrial complex, like gigantic. I was like 100 acres or something. I don't know, 50 acres, and they set up like American Ninja Warrior style obstacle course but you do it with your car your your drift car mm-hmm. so you go up like multiple stories on this thing called the leveler which is a like giant seesaw that's like 10 stories high you have to like balance it out you have to drive through water without falling like into like a pond you have to drive through swinging cars that are swinging from pendulums and not smash your car into it and it's really cool because you could bring there's there's real world competitors that bring their cars from all over the world to compete in this, to possibly get fucking destroyed. Yes, mm-hmm. happens all the time, actually.
0: So, yeah. so you bring your thing that you've been fine tuning, mm-hmm. and or, then go in a giant fucking seesaw with it and see what the fuck happens.
2: Yeah, but I mean, you got yes. you, you got to figure these guys uh, and, and girls. Actually, there was a young uh, lady. I think she was 16 from South Africa. Uh, she, I think she was the youngest competitor thus far. She brought her own like BMW E36 there, and uh, and and she actually blew the engine up um, because she dipped into the water and hydrolocked the motor. But yeah, they bring them there for for recognition, dude. I oh, mean, I mean, yeah. They, Listen,
0: you put your balls on the fucking table and you yeah. win and see. You know what I mean? You're putting your however much it costs you to yeah. match much time. Yeah. And put your skill on the line.
2: For sure. I, and I mean.
0: I mean, it's cool, but. it's I mean
2: there's, there's some Jesus.
1: it's it's like you take Ninja American Ninja Warrior and put gigantic race cars.
2: Yeah, it mixed with the, MXC. Yeah, but the worst <laughs> thing
0: that happens in American Ninja that's Warrior is the Nikes Nikes wet. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like my socks are wet. Like that's like you fall in Yeah Yeah, yeah. whereas
1: here it's like my car is gonna That explode. was two hundred
0: thousand dollars. That was a long time.
2: Oh yeah, you should see one one episode uh that will uh, actually Probably later in the episode, later in the season, this guy uh, Tanner Faust, I think that was his name. Was that his name? Tanner Faust? No, no, sorry. Tanner Faust was actually one of the driver. There was some other guy. Whatever. He's a rally driver, but he's up and coming. He was just like fucking crazy, crushing it, drifting his like two forty around turns, and he just went too hard and like completely demolished his shit into a wall. He was like, yeah, bro, that happens.
0: Well, but- I mean, I mean, that's an extra competition right there. It's not like I mean, obviously your car get destroyed, whatever you're sure, doing.
2: Sure, yeah. But like. now you're on Netflix.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Netflix or Worth didn't it. happen. Netflix or didn't <laughs> happen, bro. Well that
2: that that South African girl that I was telling you about, she as a result of her qualification, she met uh Gimme a famous uh female South African actor, blonde. Starts with her last name starts with the Z maybe? Uh,
0: Zelda?
2: Charlize Theron. Yes, her. Yeah, she <laughs> met her. And like she came to her like her parents' house and like was talking to her in Afrikaans. And she took her for a ride in her drift car. And Charlize was like, fucking... Eh, oh, like, that's
0: awesome. So there's perks. I, I, mean, I mean, don't give me you know. 100%. I mean, especially at 16, even going on that competition. Fucking awesome. like, yeah. yeah. Wasn't there a
1: princess in one of the Netflix? There, there was a, like, maybe not a princess, but it was somebody high up who wasn't just a...
0: Maybe a duke or years. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. And she was a beautiful blonde, beautiful woman. And she was a princess. And she was a badass drifter on this Netflix series. And I, I, I was know. like, wow, I want to be a drifter. I mean, day. there was a she lot, was lot like of badass her chicks her. on it. Ming a is princess? currently Googling really princess drifter. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe it wasn't a princess. No,
2: I don't think she, there was any princesses. There was a lot of really badass, <laughs> <laughs> badass chicks, though. Maybe really she's badass. just
0: the yeah. drift princess.
1: <laughs> That's possible. Yeah.
0: Is <laughs> <Does> it her? <hurt? laughs>
2: Oh, also, (laughs) before we we switch topics, um, I just wanted to say, fun fact, because we're based in New Jersey, I feel like I have to say this. So the the Wall Stadium, Formula Drifts uh, venue at Wall Stadium, which, again, as I said, the gauntlet, um, because it was sold to real estate developers, because the track owners were, you know, they tried for a long time and couldn't make it, uh, understandable, they're switching now to English Town Raceway Park. Just so you guys know. Mm-hmm. And Wolf uh, well, uh, factions of Hoonigan have been racing there for a while. So mm. go check them out. It's going to be cool. interesting. If cool. If you
1: know any single ones, h- h- hit me up. <laughs> oh, sorry. It's on top of place. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. But I respect She's what not. they're doing. Totally not cutting this not out. Totally <laughs> not
2: Totally not cutting this out.
1: I respect what they're doing with their machines, and I'm interested. That's all I'm saying.
0: Uh, even more uncomfortable. Anyway.
1: <laughs> Shall we move on?
0: <laughs> Go on. And then, so, all right. So here we're coming into our last section here. And Jen, who writes these, and they're my favorite thing that we do here. Give us some badassery. Give us the next badass.
1: Bring badassery. I'm doing that every time.
0: Unfortunately, <laughs> so, apologies.
1: These folks don't know what we're talking about today, so it's a surprise. <laughs> we are talking about Philippe Petit, who is a French daredevil who high-wired between the Twin Towers eight times in one day, one year after the Twin Towers opened. So this was in 1974. I
0: didn't realize that long ago. That's yeah. crazy.
1: He's still alive, and he's, he's, he's a fucking badass. He's still crushing life. And so Philippe Petit, he started out life in, in France. He was a magician, and he was doing street art kind of kind of things in Paris. And he became aware of high wiring. And he said, ooh, I want to do that. And he started setting his sights on the Twin Towers, knowing that they were opening soon. And so before the Twin Towers, he did one on Notre Dame in Paris, did a high wire there and gained a lot of attraction. And not long after he started high wiring at all, he took a damn high wire, strung it between the two towers, which are... I I believe they were 1,300 feet above the ground in New York City and walked back and forth eight different times. And what's super neat about it is the cops were (laughs) staring at him, kind of, you can imagine a cop with their. Their arms folded and their and their foot kind of <laughs> tapping the ground <laughs> like you asshole what? I hate you. Is this an
0: eighties film? Yeah, it <laughs> is an 80s it's a 1979 seventy yes. nineteen. It's gotta be. It's gotta be. Oh, definitely, it's definitely a nineteen eighties cop. Right? I mean <laughs> my words. I mean <laughs> my words. Yeah.
1: And he went. He was only twenty four when he did this. By the way,
2: Did they see him from the street or were they on the rooftop? I
1: actually, I think they were on the rooftop. Oh yeah. Yeah, and, and we're letting him do his thing. They could
2: have totally grabbed him. If you sure. went eight, eight times back and forth. They,
1: they could have actually, right now on the screen that Ming brought up, there is, um, see that photo all the way to the right. There's a cop actually holding him shortly after oh, he yeah. got down, and oh, that's yeah. actually on the ground.
2: Oh, he's smiling.
1: But oh yeah, so so even the cop is smiling. So basically, they called it the artistic crime of the century. Mm the artistic crime of the century because it was it's like Kevin Bacon in that one. He does look like Kevin Bacon actually. Even now he does. As uh, as a 7-year-old he looks like Kevin Bacon. He it was impressive. He has, you know, it's a tightrope. So it's it's a really long wire. The same cop by the way. Basically. He's really milking
2: that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's looking at the camera every time in those Be photos. Be
1: somebody else Philippe Petit. <laughs> Kevin Bacon's taken. He's he's an American star. No, just kidding. I love you, France. So basically, <laughs> cut it. Just so it was a really, it was a, it was a wire. And actually, I don't have the stats on how far the Twin Towers were from each other. But he, he went back and forth. And, and for his balance, he had a very, very, very long pole that helped balance him. And he went back and forth eight different times. Mm-hmm. cops were sitting there angry and right when he got down he got arrested and he got arrested for disorderly conduct he got arrested for criminal trespassing he got arrested for endangering his life and others and operating without a permit he was arrested and handcuffed immediately when he got down now a few weeks <laughs> later the uh, the state attorney of New York basically who was on the case uh, let him go uh, but the kind of trade-off was that he had to do a free performance in central park so he did a free performance and he was like oh and years later a lot of companies uh kept trying to do tell stories and do documentaries based off what he did and he kept turning them down because he was like i'm waiting for the right moment people and then a documentary maker filmmaker who did some some Really fantastic! A celebrity documentaries contacted him, and that's when he do it did it. He said yes, and it's called Man on Wire. And the film actually won very, a
2: very famous
0: film now.
1: Very famous film, and it and it won an Oscar.
0: Sure, I'm whatever not those things sure are called. That's accurate. Two hundred feet. It's two hundred feet apart.
1: Okay, so two hundred feet. Yeah. So the twin towers are two hundred feet apart, and so he did that eight different times. So sixteen hundred feet of walking back and forth, and, um, and if
0: you've never so, been in New York City, it is literally one of the windiest places you ever be on any given moment. Right, right. Like so, yeah. it's not just. It the- probably was
2: not easy. I'm not that that was, but
0: easy and not wind environment yeah. anyway. But yeah, and yeah. no any type of safety equipment either. Like yeah. he's like it's just him on a wire.
1: Right. So a lot of uh, highliners. Today. So if you if you look at some of the biggest Highliners in the world, say in Moab, Utah, I hate to bring up Moab Utah all the time, but it's it's the capital of a lot of this. And they will have little ankle um, straps from their ankle to the wire so that if they fall, they will be okay. Yeah. He actually didn't have that. No, he had nothing. So he was just kind of freeballing it two hundred feet. <laughs>
2: that's the that's the term you chose. <laughs> Free balling <laughs> it. Yes. Perfect yes. Great yes. Great. He wasn't wearing Underwear either yeah. <laughs> I hope <laughs> yeah.
0: he wasn't
2: At least he wasn't Over a volcano
0: So I actually yeah. Oh yeah That volcano yeah. one Did uh, you That was That then, was
2: interesting what, Yeah ABC News What two weeks ago mm-hmm. Was it uh, We're on March 13th 2020 here It was like two weeks ago Start of March Yeah that, Yeah. yeah
0: he, it was the same time As the Jeopardy Championship thing That was going on was, Oh I
2: didn't <laughs> no, I noticed that part Nerd Whatever <laughs>
0: But yeah, yeah he, so this guy, he, so first he had his girlfriend or somebody, mm-hmm. They, I wish I knew his name.
2: Yeah. Probably uh, should look that up.
0: Probably should look that up. But he, okay. It, so his girlfriend sure. goes over <laughs> uh, on a high wire over Volcano.
2: Active Volcano. Active Volcano. On ABC News. We watched it live. We from, watched it live. From like, the bar.
0: And she's like sitting there like on a hoop and like she unstraps herself and then bites on a rope. He's just hanging on by her teeth. Yeah, on, like, like a, over a volcano, just, which on the Hulu, super weird. Like, oh yeah, big metal Hulu. It, it was
2: like Cirque du Soleil, but over magma.
0: Yeah, <laughs> magma. Yes, but yeah,
2: and and then him that that guy, whoever he was, Nick Wallenda. Nick Wallenda. Yep. Uh, yeah, he walked. They, they strung a high wire across the entire mouth of the volcano. And again, he had safety equipment and a pole, but this, we watched the whole time. It was 40 minutes or something. The safety equipment was lax the entire time. <laughs> Ming is now playing Je- uh, Will Fortune, Nick Walenda, something. There volcano was. Live. Oh, yes. It's yeah. a
1: commercial. Yeah.
2: So he walked 40, 43 minutes or something across the a- the mouth of an active volcano on a high wire with a pole. With safety equipment, but it was slack the whole time. Dude, that was all him. And, of course, you can make the argument, well, he knew the safety harness was there, so he didn't have the fear of, like, just falling in him. But still, it's still... Fucking the skill impressive. is still there. He had to wear They both had to wear gas masks because of all the the methane coming <laughs> yeah, off. Yeah, methane
0: mm. and sulfur coming yeah, off dude. that thing. Like yeah. the heat and what was I thought it was really. Oh, cool Nicaragua about it. volcano. Yeah, what was super cool about it too is That's that a... they showed the wind direction and whatnot the whole time. Yeah, that was and and it shifting, was shifting dramatically.
1: It's an actual active volcano. Uh, you imagine that the is whole that the one they called the system is very volatile.
2: Is that the one they call the uh, one of the entrances to hell, the mouth of hell, or something like that? Think it's one of the, the if it's Nicaragua, then yeah, it's definitely gotta be that one. Yeah, but what a cool, a interesting thing. Active.
0: Like it was different to see it too, like actually see wind and all that stuff. So and also heat rises and you're you're above liquid hot magma. magma. So I gotta imagine the up thrust is, like so you're dealing with oh yeah left and right and up and down.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: For sure. Like what a crazy it
2: Definitely did not look fun. And even by the end of it, you could see like the last ten minutes were not even maybe seven minutes he just, like, ripped the mask off his face. He's like, I can't breathe. Yeah, and he's, like, sweating, and he's, like, rushing to get there. He's like, dude, don't
0: blow it now. Yeah, like, You're, You're right there. <laughs> there. We're so close.
1: And beyond the fact that it's hot, we're talking about noxious gases, yes. right? like, Yeah, Like, you actually need to wear these face masks to survive. Yeah, and he yeah. just
2: ripped it off because he's like, I can't fucking breathe anymore. I'm just, like, sweating my ass off.
0: Yeah, it was, like, fucking up his peripheral vision and all types of stuff, wearing goggles and this, like, everything he wants to fucking know and see. He's like... Oh, even though it was on there. But
1: yep. he also was holding a very long, I, I don't know the proper term for that, but a very long balancing stick Yes, that you use they to help use you that, balance. Yeah. And they do. Uh, he, again, was attached to something else because if he had fallen, he would have fallen into the fire. <laughs> But, lava. but but Philippe lava. The lava But Philippe um, You know Didn't have that whole system And he <laughs> went back and forth Eight different times And uh, I'm sure
2: he was one of this guy's Biggest inspirations I'm
1: sure I'm sure I'm sure Yeah And um, uh, So
0: um. Yeah
2: <laughs> Cool yeah. And then.
0: <laughs>
2: So yeah Yeah uh, he was very inspirational to yes. him. Yes,
1: so he he appeared on Colbert Report recently, and Who, it was Felipe? great. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe not recently, but a couple years ago. <laughs> okay, that was. <laughs> well, fun.
2: it's a very different time frame?
1: <laughs> Point being, in the more recent history, he appeared on Colbert. That's cool. And um and and Colbert did this whole thing where they had um it looked like Colbert himself was traveling to the interview on a high wire and they had like fire coming up from the ground and they had you <laughs> like know, a green digital. screen <laughs> yeah it was a green screen they had digital like crocodiles and it was really hilarious. Oh, of course of course of course and um like the guy <laughs> Of course, we mentioned he's still alive, and we also mentioned that he was really strict on who got to tell his story. You yeah. know, he's he's a badass, not only because of what he did, but also because he's like, hey, I'm going to tr- control my story. As I want to hear the I right can. story be mm-hmm. told, right. right? So Colbert goes, "You guys pulled off perhaps, or you pulled off perhaps, the most amazing feat in tight walking history," and without hesitation, Philippe goes, "Not perhaps.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it fucking was, man. It Fucking
0: was." <laughs>
1: And Colbert was like, true. And, and then, then this guy
2: walks over a volcano. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what he thinks. Yeah.
1: But I'm sure he would have. Comments. He might have been there. He might have been there. And then Colbert again later asked him, why would you do it? And I thought this was really interesting. He said, why not? It's because I have no choice. And, and he has a really thick. Frank Jackson is because I have no choice, and I think a true artist should always have that as an answer. If you know why you paint, well, maybe you're not driven to by painting and waking up to the face of an empty canvas. So if you don't know, it's much better than if you know. And I love that answer. So,
2: so two comments on that. One. You didn't have to say it in the accent. <laughs>
1: I did. But but
2: two, that was the first time you actually nailed an accent, a <laughs> foreign well, an accent, and you you stayed in character the entire time. Saying, yeah, you did. You didn't Congratulations. Really out that. There we go. It That's big. Hard. That's big. 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 It was big hard. The last thing the last thing I'll say about the, all of this is um, the the also the this the spider the urban spider man I guess his name is called right um I don't know if he's the first one I think there was one guy before him but um. For some reason, Fre- the French really like to be daredevils. So the the guy that likes to climb urban buildings with no harnesses, he's done it in New York, he's done it in Paris, he's done it in uh, London before. Yeah, he's fucking crazy. He's like, I'm just going to climb this office building. Imagine, like, you're sitting there like, huh? hey... Karen, we need more toner. <laughs> and this guy's just climbing outside the window. Hello.
0: <laughs> He's definitely gotten more trouble, though. Like, yes, I'm sure. Like, it's not, yeah. this is like really frowned upon now. It's not like, let's go do a play in the park and everything will be forgiven. Uh, There's like real prepercussions. Elaine, a Ro-
2: Robert, probably Robert. I've, I've well,
1: as somebody who used to work in a Manhattan skyscraper, they used to once in a while send the window washers, and I would just be sitting there writing a story and then be like, what?
2: What? oh my god there's
1: somebody outside but then you saw that they were on a proper
2: in my skyscraper up in my skyscraper i would fist bump them
0: are you like going to the window? yeah
2: i'd like fist bump them through the window (laughs) and be like good job bro oh yeah they they got a kick out of that it was funny
1: but this guy alain robert sorry we probably butchered that france i'm so sorry but oh, that's
2: where you're apologizing? Not <laughs> <laughs> the fucking oh, two-minute-long <laughs> imitation of a French accent? I
1: think that they appreciated it, actually. Did
2: you? Probably not. You probably hate Americans, right? Fine.
1: He just climbs up these buildings outside of them as though they're Yosemite, or as though they're the wall.
2: Does he, like, free climb time. them? Yes. Yeah, no harnesses or anything. He just free climbs it's
0: them. It's insanely yeah. impressive. Yeah. That's insane. Yes. That's crazy all on its own level. Like I don't even understand. Yeah, it's not. All right, guys, that's the end of our show. Thank you for listening. To Andy sends it. Doug, Jen, everybody. Yes. Peace out, everyone. Have a great night. Jeez. Thank, you so, Thank you so much for coming.
2: FullSendHQ.com. Check it out. We're on all major platforms. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Overcast, and all the other all casts. The cast. Google Play. Yes. All the casts. We're on all them. And check us out on YouTube, full, send HQ. Uh, full Just FullSendHQ, actually. And uh, Instagram, Facebook, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Instagram is SendItHQ because of that lame guy who has FullSendHQ. We're going to get it from yeah, you, bro. Yeah, it at
2: him. It's cool. It's, it's going to work. Yeah. <laughs> See you later. Thanks, guys. Send it. Send it.